This week, Annie Bullard brought an amazing message on what it means to not look back, but move forward. We asked this question during service. When it comes to life, do you tend to look out the windshield or the rear view mirror? I know that question and the message this week really spoke to me, and I hope you were encouraged by it as well. Let's dive in. Yes, good stuff, right people? If one claps, we all have to clap. Yeah, how incredible it is to be a part of a congregation, part of a church that gives to our community the way that Word of Life does. It's just a real honor to be here even right now, uh, whether it's your first time here, you've been here for decades, to be a part of a church that gives out is just such a blessing. So I agree with Pastor Lisa. I love this church. I love being a part of this church. My name is Annie Bullard, and I am the receptionist here at Word of Life. I'm also a credential holder with the Assemblies of God and a local uh, local missionary. Uh, with the AG to Syracuse. Uh, my ministry is called 991. If you're not familiar with it, check it out uh, on social media. God is on the move, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. So today, yes, a couple woo-woos, I'll take it. Yes. Uh, so today's message uh, is entitled, Don't Look Back, Move forward. And I was actually inspired today by a beauty named Lorraine Southworth. If you know Lorraine Southworth, would you give me another whoop whoop? Yeah, right? Lorraine is amazing. She's like a ray of sunshine. And we were sharing one day, uh, and she's like my buddy with words of friends. She constantly kicks my butt. But I keep trying. I keep trying, Lorraine. Uh, But so she was in touch with me recently, and she said that... um, you know, there were some difficulties in her earlier life. You know, in, in decades ago, she had really suffered a life uppercut, like many of us do. I mean, we're on the broken side of eternity. And uh, she, God gave her some direction way back then, and it was, don't look back. And so I was inspired by Lorraine today, and I started looking in the Word of God, and I was reminded of a story of where looking back was highly detrimental. So don't look back, move forward. It's five Quick, easy words, but honestly, they're sometimes hard to implement, right? I mean, I'd love to be just moving full steam ahead, but there are some things in life that just hold us back. And I know um, for me, looking back can sometimes be an embarrassing moment. I mean, I've got way too many of those. In fact, if my kids have an embarrassing moment, if my nieces have an embarrassing moment, they'll text me immediately. They'll know I'll either be proud of them or I will have one that ups them. I mean, embarrassing moments are ones that are like, oh, you can tend to look back. And then there's the moments where it was like, oh, I wish I did. I wish I did such and such, and you tend to look back, or even more fun is I wish I didn't. (laughs) You know, like those are the ones I always have, like, I wish I didn't do that. Uh, But please tell me you can relate. Um, But then there's also the back in the day, or, you know, maybe otherwise known as in the good old days, looking back. And looking back can at times keep us from moving forward. I found some great quotes from, from some pretty cool people about looking back and moving forward. I want to share them with you today. C.S. Lewis, who is a British writer and theologian, he says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. That's pretty good, right? Yeah. And then Maya Angelou, she's an American poet and civil rights activist, and she says, history, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived, but if faced with courage, need not be lived again. That's a good one. Isaac Dennison, a Danish author, says, you can't change the past, but you can ruin the present by worrying about the future. I think all of us can relate with that one. And then Pat Benatar, help me with your best shot. 
want. Uh, American rock singer and songwriter, she says, you can't change the past, so don't let it haunt you, but you can change the future, but first you gotta want to, right? Some wisdom there, Pat Benatar. Our past can certainly give us angst, and sometimes as messed up as our past can be, we tend to look back, which can keep us from moving forward, right? Can you relate with that? I know I can. This message absolutely ministered to me, and I was challenged by it. So our scripture today is going to be found in Genesis chapter 19, but in the previous chapter, chapter 18, can you imagine that? 18 comes before 19. Um, why? All right, so Abraham is uh, made aware that the Lord is grieved about what is happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you may remember that Abraham pleads with the Lord to spare the city because he has some relatives there. He says, Lord, would you spare the city for a few righteous? So then fast forward to Genesis 19, and we see two angels who are sent by God showing up at the gate of Sodom. And Lot is there to meet them. Lot is Abraham's nephew. And he insists that they come and stay at his home for the night. Now something super creepy happens, and I'm not even going to get into it, but it is heinous. And I think it really uh, shows how depraved the city had become. And also, though Lot was a, Lot was a righteous man, he had been, become affected by his surroundings. And so uh, Genesis 18:20, the Lord says, I have heard that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah are utterly evil and that everything they do is wicked. So these angels come to uh, speak to Lot to rescue his family from Sodom's destruction. And then we come to today's text and it's gonna be portrayed up on the screens. It's Genesis 19, 15 through 29. And I am reading from the living version. At dawn the next morning, the angels became urgent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters who are here and get out while you can, or you'll be caught in the destruction of this city. When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand in the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. Here's our text today. Flee for your lives, the angels told him, and don't look back. Escape to the mountains. Don't stay down here on the plain or you will die. Oh, no, sirs, Locke begged. Since you've been so kind to me and saved my life and you've granted me such mercy, let me flee to that little village over there instead of into the mountains, for I fear disaster in the mountains. See, the little village is close by and it's just a little one. Please, please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? And my life will be saved. All right, the angel said, I accept your proposition and I won't destroy that little city. But hurry, for I can do nothing until you are there. And from that time on, the village was named Zor, meaning little city. The sun was rising as Lot reached the village, and then the Lord rained down fire and flaming tar from heaven upon Sodom and Gomorrah, and utterly destroyed them, along with the other cities and villages of the plain, eliminating all life, people, plants, and animals alike. But Lot's wife looked back, and she was following along behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. That morning, Abraham was up early and hurried out to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked out across the plain to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he saw the columns of smoke and fumes as from a furnace rising from the cities there. So God heeded Abraham's plea and kept Lot safe, removing him from the maelstrom of death that engulfed the cities. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we want to come to you right now this morning. We thank you for your word that gives us direction. We thank you, Father God, that as we make ourselves available to you, you speak to us. 
I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us would lay out our lives right now. We've never been here before, God. We've never been here before. Show us how to move forward and to not look back. Lord, I pray that this message would be... uh, very personal to each and every person hearing this morning. Father, we uh, just want to make ourselves available, and we ask that you have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the instruction given to Lot, that's going to be our three points today. First one is flee for your lives and don't look back. Second point, don't stay down here in the plain. And then the third point is to escape to the mountains, which I'm kind of calling run for the hills. So point one, flee for your lives and don't look back. What does that mean for us? Looking back at Sodom is equivalent to running from the world and what it offers, but then kind of looking back a little bit, looking back to what that was. I want to give you guys a disclaimer right now because sometimes it's very important to look back to move forward. And if you've gone through any sort of heart healing, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's important not to keep that stuff that injured us covered up, but to allow it to, uh, you know, allow us to look back at it so we can heal. And also there's grief. There are stages of grief. So I'm not talking about that today. What I'm talking about is being saved from death and destruction, and then looking back and wanting to turn back to what the Lord had spared us from. Sodom was steeped in wickedness. Nasty atrocities were being committed there. And here Lot and his family were spared and saved from the wickedness. And yet we see Lot's wife look back. Why? Why did she look back? Why do we look back? Do we look back because it was more fun? Was it a good time? And I have to ask, was it though? I'm just being real here, but sometimes you look back, I know I have, and thought, oh, that was a good time. I kind of forget what I've been spared from, forget what I've been saved from. Are you like that? Sometimes you you want to look back, you forget where you've been saved and spared from. Sometimes you look back because we thought we had it good. Colossians 3, I'm going to read it to you from the message version. It says, he is your life. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you want, whatever you feel like it, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that kind of stuff and not knowing any better. But now you know better. So make sure it's gone for good. Here's a reminder, living a life with Christ is living a life of peace. You know, we live on the broken side of eternity. We all know this. We face difficulties. We face destruction. But living with God is inviting peace into your turmoil, peace into your world. God gives us simple instruction, which I find so difficult to put into practice sometimes. But he says in Psalm 34, 14, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I learned years ago to play the whole tape through. Don't remember just the highlights. How did it end? Did it end well? Was your heart at peace? Was there heartache or was there drama? Because drama is lame and it never delivers, right? Who wants drama? I mean, it might be fun for a little bit, but it never ends well. 
Perhaps you look back because, oh, I screwed up so bad. I screwed up so bad. And what that is, is that shame trying to knock on your door to remind you what you did and where you were and how it was and how everyone looked at you because you screwed up so bad. Shame is horrible. And it, it's our enemy, and it continues to remind us of what we did. But I want to remind us right now of John 8, chapter 6. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. And so when shame tries to rear, I, this pops into my mind, when shame tries to rear its ugly, yellow, no good keister in our face, we can say, you don't, have a, you don't have a say in my life, because this is what Christ did. The Word of God says that Jesus scorned our shame at the cross, and what that means is that he ignored it. So if we have been set free, that means that shame doesn't get to come back and tell us where we've been, how we did it, who was upset with us, how we ruined things, because it is a new day. And sometimes there is a season of a harvest from yesterday, but the good news is, is there's new life and new seeds are being planted. So when shame tries to tell, tries to tell you where you've been and what you're doing, you can tell him who you belong to now and the new seeds that are being planted today. Shame took a beating when Christ died on the cross. And you know what Jesus said? He said, you're dead to me. So when shame tries to come after you, you can take your thoughts captive because that's what the word of God says to do with our thoughts. You can take your thought captive and say, you're dead to me. I'm a new creation in Christ. So there's a, a phrase, it's shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. It's used to dismiss one's regrets or worries about our past actions or lack thereof. Jesus took the brunt so you could shrug off the shoulda, coulda's, and the woulda's. Move on and live in peace. Yes, amen. So do you look back maybe because you can't let it go? When I'm talking about it, I'm talking about forgiveness or maybe the lack thereof, unforgiveness, walking in unforgiveness. Now, it seems like, you know, the earlier part of my life, I had a lot of trauma. I know a lot of you guys can relate. There was trauma. There were things that were done to me. There were things that I didn't invite in my life, but I experienced. And, um, you know, with those scenarios, I have had to look back to be able to move forward. There was pain in my past. And it came to a point where I realized I had to forgive some of the perpetrators. And that's not very fun. That's a journey, a journey to take, but it's worth it. There's freedom that comes with forgiveness. It's a cer certainly a process to work through, but the freedom is worth it. Now, I didn't forgive because the individual deserved my forgiveness. It wasn't because I thought what the individual did was okay. Extending forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. I forgive because I don't want to be locked in a prison cell of unforgiveness while that individual walks freely through their life. And, you know, perhaps the grievance is as painful as betrayal or backstabbing. It could be gossip that happened. I don't know what your area of need has been. But I did hear a really good one-liner on forgiveness, and it's this. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior Forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. God is big enough to handle what they did to you, and he's big enough to handle what they did to me. Now, you've probably heard the rearview mirror and the windshield quote. This is where the chat question came in. But uh, there's a, a quote, and it's pretty cool. It says, there's a reason that your windshield is bigger than your rearview mirror, because where you're headed is more important than where you've been. Or the longer we keep looking in the rearview mirror, it takes away from everything that's moving forward. 
And then there's Matthew 6.15. This is an ouchy one. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Everybody say yipes. Or amen. Yeah, that's better. That's what I meant to say. Um, So the first point is flee for your lives and don't look back. The second point is don't stay down here in the plane. Now, staying in the plane is resting in your wants and your needs or what you think is best what the world has to offer. So why, when God saves us from destruction and despair, why do we want to not follow his instructions to run to the hills, but why do we want to settle in the plane? Here's the thing. Lot didn't look back, but he also didn't look forward. God gave him direction, but then Lot bartered for another way. God rescued Lot and us to establish us, not to offer us something winty and wilty and puny. Or winty. That's like the combination of all bad things. Uh, So why do we want to trade God's best for what we think is best? Can you guys relate with this? So I I just feel like sometimes God's calling me in a direction. I'm like, I don't want to. You know what I mean? Did you ever do that? (laughs) Just kidding. I never do either. Um, Okay. So um, I think many of us can relate with Lot more than we'd like to admit. In James 4.4, 4, it says this, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. <gasps> Here's the thing. Accepting God's best for you is recognizing the great worth that God put on you. You are so worth it that Jesus died for you. You're worth him giving his best. So if he asks you to wait, wait. If he asks you to move, move. He knows what he's doing and he knows what's best. Don't try to trade it and settle for less. I find it um, wild that sometimes we can become comfortable in living in the uncomfortable. You know what I'm talking about? We're like, you know the behavior isn't good for you, but you just, it's become comfortable and it feels easier than having to move forward. So I pulled some of my uh, family, they were a little short in their answers for me, but um, I, I also pulled my friends and I got some juicy uh, examples of what it's like to be, live in the uncomfortability and become comfortable. So this could be chronic complaining or negative thinking. You've been doing it for so long that it becomes comfortable. It could be gossip, nail biting, smoking, lying, swearing, excess eating, drinking or overspending, making excuses, making fun of people, gambling, pornography, a worrier, a hoverer, control freak, being late, being busy, being overly flirtatious, blaming others, hanging with the wrong people, being judgmental of yourself or others, being a yeller or wallowing in self-pity. Now my friends came up with this in under five minutes. I was like, I have got some interesting characters in my life. So I saw a, a, um, a quote from Trent Shelton. He is a former American football player, and he's now president of a Christian-based nonprofit. And he, he speaks on uncom- living in uncomfortability, and he says this, would you rather be uncomfortable to live a comfortable life or comfortable to live an uncomfortable life? It's kind of thought-provoking. So my challenge question to all of us right now is, where is God taking you and stretching you to what he knows is best for you? When it comes to staying in the plane, another rebuttal could be, well, I deserve, you fill in the blank. I deserve, I deserve what the, the best of what the world has to offer me. But let's check out what the word says about what we deserve. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
we deserve death. But God loved us so much to call us from the plane, to give us eternal life. We deserve death. Psalm 103 in the message, this is so beautiful. It says, God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. Goes on to say, God is sheer mercy and grace. He's not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold, nor does he hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in, wrong, in full for our wrongs. As high as the heaven is over the earth, so strong is his love for those who fear him. So Lot begged to go to Zor, also known as Little City. And I think, oh, how small we can make our resting place. How tiny our sight can be. I want to challenge all of us this morning to not shortchange our life. When God calls us to the mountains, don't settle for little city. And that would be stirring up faith in action, the kind of the Bible talks about in Hebrews 11. Now faith is confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Have faith in God's best for you instead of what you think you deserve. Don't sell yourself short. My husband keeps a list of quotes. Sometimes I'll say, hey, Rob, give me a quote on whatever. He's, and he goes, like, puts on his glasses, goes to his iPad, and a few minutes later, he comes back with wisdom. Um, and he loves being called out from the stage. So good. Hi, Rob. Uh, so everybody say, hi, Rob. <laughs> oh, I love these moments. But he says, stop. This, this is a quote. I don't have who the author was, but it's stop shrinking yourself to fit places you've out grown. Yeah. So flee for your lives and don't look back. Don't stay down here in the plane. And then our final point is point three, escape to the mountain or run for the hills. It's not looking back. It's not staying stagnant, but it's moving forward. Escaping to the mountains. It's taking a step further from just staying in, staying in the plane. It's reaching and pursuing what God has for you. Jesus tells us in John 11, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Where does our help come from? Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Where can we go? Why do we want to stay in the plain? He is our source. Let's run for the hills. And here's the thing that I do find encouragement in. Mercy was shown on Lot when he asked to reside in Little City. But what could it have been if Lot had just run for the hills, if he had trusted God and strived for higher ground? Now, sadly, if you continue to read on in Genesis 19, Lot and his daughters do end up going to the hills. But what they do is they live in a cave. And then the story gets really freaky from there. But I just wonder, what would have happened if Lot had immediately said, you're, gonna, you're saving us from destruction? Let's go. Go to the mountains? All right, let's go. Where are you taking me, God? Uh, that seems a little scary, but let's go. We'll run for the hills. What could it have been? I say to the ladies from 991 all the time, see, we go into strip clubs and we love on the girls that we find there. And then from there, God has given us uh, Bible studies. And to some of the girls in the Bible study, see, I'm a firm believer. I would rather stand before the Lord and know that I erred on the side of love than on, you know, banging somebody over the head with truth. So I love these girls to wholeness. And so, um, you know, when I have their trust and I've earned their love and I've earned a right to speak into their lives, I will say to them, you have one life to live. You have one life to live. 
What are you going to do with that one life? Is it okay where you're at right now? Is it okay where you're at right now? Will you run for the hills? Will you satisfy your flesh or will you satisfy your soul? Will you cater to and cultivate your plan for your life? Or will you cater to and cultivate God's plan for your life? I'm sure a lot of you guys know Peg Northrup. She's a beauty. And uh, I sat with her at GNO this past Monday. And ladies, GNO meets the second Monday of every month. You should check it out, it's pretty cool. Yes. Uh, So Peg was at our table, and I believe the question was something like, what are you looking to grow in in this next season? And then Peg said a one-liner that I thought, oh man, that's so good, Peg, I'm stealing that. She said, I wanna embrace uncertainty. Embrace uncertainty. And I thought, you know what? Peg is not looking back. She's not willing to stay in the plane. But embracing uncertainty is running after God's plan for you. You don't know what's going to be ahead of you, but knowing it's God's best for you, Peg is willing to embrace uncertainty, not knowing what the future holds. So wrapping up, point one is flee for your lives and don't look back. Point two is don't stay down here on the plane. And point three is escape to the mountain or run for the hills. So I just want to kind of pose this question before we wrap up. What's the big deal about turning back and moving forward anyway? I mean, honestly, like, what's really going to happen? I mean, we can still live life, right? Well, think about Lot's wife. We didn't really focus on her a whole lot in our time together today. But Lot's wife turned to a pillar of salt as she looked back. Now, a pillar is hard, still, unyielding, and immovable. Basically, looking back hardens you. By looking back, you get stuck without the possibility of moving forward. Now, the whole story of Lot and his family seems kind of dramatic to me. I mean, do you guys ever read the word and think, that seems harsh and super dramatic? Am I I the only one? Okay, thank you. Sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, she turned to, I mean, I think I might want to look back just to see sulfur flying down from heaven. But she clearly had something else in her heart when she looked back. And so whenever the word seems extra dramatic or harsh to me, especially knowing that God is a good and kind and patient and loving God, I want to, what does this mean for me? Lord, Lord, if this is harsh and dramatic, what am I to take from this? How can I hover over this bit of scripture and allow it to change my own personal life? And here's the thing, when we are so indwelled and enthralled with the world world and what was and wanting our own path, we ultimately meet the same demise as Lot's wife. We become hardened and still and stagnant. The Bible tells us that losing our lives to Christ is victory. Luke 17, yes, it's victory. Luke 17, verse 32 through 33, remember what happened to Lot's wife. Whoever clings to his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life shall save it. I find it interesting that Christ's followers are called to be the salt of the earth, not a pillar of salt. So be salty and be tasty. Don't become hardened by your past and become stuck, immovable, and stubborn. Find out how God wants you to live the choices that he's requiring of you and trust him. And if you don't know where to start, start in his word. Psalm 119 says this, and it's so encouraging. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light on my path. Now the thing is, is God's word doesn't say it's a floodlight into our future, right? 
It's not like, you know, it takes faith. This is a faith walk. It is just what Peg said. It's embracing uncertainty. So God, what do you want me to do? You be in his word daily and he'll show you the next step. And then you take that step and then he shows you the next step. Okay, God, I'm not sure where I'm going. I, I kind of want to, maybe I should, no, you do this? Okay, all right. It's a faith walk. It's embracing uncertainty. In the message version, that Psalm 119 says this, by your words, I can see where I'm going. They throw a beam of light on my dark path. I've committed myself and I'll never turn back from living by your righteous order. You probably heard the saying, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus and no peace. Doubting Thomas said to the Lord, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so can you show us the way? And this is what Jesus said to him. I am the only way to God. I am the real truth and the real life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So here's the thing, La experienced a rescue mission for him and his family, and he was given direction. So I wanna ask you, where does your rescue effort begin? And maybe you've known the Lord for 50 years, or maybe you're about to invite him in in the next five minutes, but here's the thing. As I mentioned in the beginning, you've never been here before. So how are you gonna invite Christ in to show you what's next? I'm like, Lord, you gotta show me what's next. I can pretty much screw up anything I put my hands to. But if I put my faith and my trust in you and your word, you can light up the path ahead of me. Don't look back, move forward, no Jesus and no peace. And wrapping up with the one-liner from Lorraine Southworth, don't look back, he's given you one path, follow him. I wanna pray for two groups of people today. And I'm just gonna ask that you bow your heads, close your eyes, make this available to be a holy moment for your neighbor. Don't look around. I know you know this about me, I do like to peek, but I, I'm trying to get better at it. So don't peek. Let's allow this holy moment. Now in the first group of people I wanna pray for, and I'm gonna raise my hand on this, are those that are having a hard time looking back. Or maybe you're trying to barter with God. You're like, okay, God, I'm not gonna look back, but can I just, can I just go this way? I wanna, I wanna go my way. But Lord, aren't you sure? I wanna wait, you're, you're telling me to wait? God, don't you realize if we do this now, we can get stuff done? And you're like, Lord, I just wanna move forward. Help me to embrace uncertainty and take that step of faith. And if you, like me, if that is your heart's cry, would you raise your hand today? Nobody looking around. Thank you. Oh, brothers and sisters, I'm so thankful that I'm in good company. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us to turn away from what the world had to offer. Turn away from our old way of thinking. And Lord, help us to move away from what we think is best and embrace your best for us. Lord, would you give us a new passion for it? God, we don't even know how to do this. We need you. We need you. We cry out for you today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And then the second group of people that I want to pray for today are those that haven't invited Christ in yet. Or maybe you invited Christ in a while ago, but you've just become lax and you're like, you know what? The world doesn't satisfy and I just want my life to matter and I want it to count in Jesus. I want to invite you in. And if that is you today, and if you are in this space without anybody looking, would you lift your hand? I'm gonna be starting at the far bank, my right, your left. And if that's you and you're like, Lord, I need you and I haven't received you, but I want, today's the day. Today's the day, moving on to the middle. Thank you, thank you, 
Moving on to my left, your right. Thank you, Jesus. He sees your hand. Thank you. Thank you. See you over there. And for those of you online, if you are here today and you're like, you know what, I just am botching it up on my own, go ahead and click that I've received Christ today button and we want to celebrate with you. This is the first day of the rest of your life and it's the best adventure ever. You know what, Jesus did tell us we're on the broken side. He said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. You don't get to do this journey by yourself, you get to do it with him. And so God, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us this morning. And for those that have come today, and you guys can go ahead and lift your eyes. If you have received Christ today, we want to pray a prayer with you. And, and I'm not about embarrassing or making anybody ashamed. So we just want to all pray this together. So whether you're online and you're sitting there in front of your computer, or in front of your TV screen, or if you're in this place, let's just pray this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I'm at. I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. Help me to follow you every day. I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, my friends. Pastor Tom, Pastor Megan. Come on, everybody. Can we give some real appreciation? Yeah. Thank you, Annie. Thanks for listening. Here at Word of Life, we're all about leading individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about what our church is all about or take a next step like getting involved, joining a group, or getting one-on-one -on -one spiritual coaching, visit our website and scroll right down to Next Steps. You can find us online at www.wordoflifeag.org.